Hey there, it's your host, Eric, from the Machine of Nonsense. Before we get to the bracket of nonsense, I just wanted to let everyone know this will be a spoiler-heavy discussion. We can't really describe these characters in full without, you know, kind of really going into spoiler territory, given big plot points of the various games, movies, and TV shows that they are a part of. So if you're afraid of spoilers, I would just recommend maybe skipping forward when a particular character is being talked about, just in case, you know, if you really care about that character uh, and you really care about spoilers. So just wanted to warn you guys, and on to the episode. Hey there, it's the Machina Nonsense, episode 35, and the second episode of the Bracket of Nonsense. We are covering the Tony Stark portion of the Bracket. Before we get to that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Eric, your host, with Kayla. Hello. And Mike. Hey. And Tomas. How's it going? And Josh. I notice I'm always last. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> You're at the bottom, oh, of, the bottom of the screen. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> sure, sure. That's why. That stuff. If you got a picture or a webcam, <laughs> that might rectify. <laughs> yeah, I totally do it on purpose. Um, so, like I said, we are doing the Tony Stark section of the bracket. We have 16 more matchups. Only eight will remain after this. I'm going to do a little bit of a recap of who made round one from the Leslie Nope bracket. Leslie Nope, Mabel Pines, Walter Kovacs, Cliff Booth, Ahsoka Tano, Vegeta, Alucard, and Big Boss. Good characters there. We're starting off strong on the Tony Stark bracket. We have Tony Stark from the MCU versus Amy Dunn from Gone Girl. I nominated Tony Stark, I believe, right? I don't think you did. No? No, I did. <laughs> that was Mike, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I nominated for him to be uh, a number one seed. So, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. Kind of the same. That. Mike, what do you think of Tony Stark? Uh, he's just the foundation of the greatest movie franchise of all time. Uh, just a, a pillar of of that whole thing. Like he's he's great. Eric and I have had many conversations about this. You know, uh, Tony Stark is just a a dude. He's a smart dude with lots of lots of money. So we just his superpower is just bravery. He just doesn't give a fuck and fights aliens from Earth and stands up to him. He's just the leader. He he's just badass. Love Tony, but also love Amy. Uh, Josh, that was your nomination. Yes, it was. So the issue we're going to run into, though, is that Tony Stark has had X amount of movies of character development and growth and time yeah. to shine. While Amy Dunn has about 20 minutes 
because you don't actually know who Amy Dunn is until the the plot twist happens. Mm. I think she's just really interesting because she is a sociopath and it's interesting to see how her mind works and how she's willing to ruin somebody's life at the drop of a hat. And then once it's out of her favor, she then reverses and goes back in. It's just really interesting character development. Sounds terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Tony Stark is like a genius, but so is Amy Dunn in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I don't think she gets enough credit as being just like, I don't know, super high level intellect to kind of outmaneuver every single person in that movie. Yeah, I mean, her except those two hillbillies. Those two hillbillies <laughs> get better at that. Her, her her entire plot arc starts with my my husband is not good enough for me anymore. He is below me. That's what she thinks. And if she's right or not, I don't know. I mean, I think Ben Affleck's top tier, regardless. You know, he so. doesn't have successful relationships. I don't think he. He's a... <laughs> not a good. And he's a record. super creep in that movie. So. Is he? Uh, I mean, he's with like one of his students, and he's significantly older and stuff. I think they play up that she's like a kind of ditzy young person being kind of uh, maybe manipulated a little bit by the older Ben Affleck. So Mm. fair enough. It's a little creepy. Yeah, yeah, he's a little bit of a creep. Yeah, all the all the characters in that movie or whatever are all kind of flawed in a way. Yeah, no one's. Knight in shining armor. <laughs> and Tony Stark, not without his flaws. Uh, he you know, know. almost ends the Earth probably multiple times. Multiple times, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he also was a weapons dealer who yeah. you know, sold weapons. My my issue with Tony Stark, though, is he does walk it back. At the end of Iron Man 3, he's like, oh, I'm done with Iron Man. I'm getting rid of all my suits. Then next time he's like, yeah, I got, I got suits still. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he kind of breaks his, uh, you know, Pepper Potts' his heart in that sense. Like, the best thing in his life. Not a good dude. My hero. Who else is going to step up? Well, you're right. You're right. Tony Stark should win. I think, is this yeah. unanimous, or Josh, are you going to offend uh, Amy over Tony? Nah. nah. That's a tough one. Nah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's rough. You, you got stuck breaks up against top, dude. Yep, yeah. just bad breaks. I'm willing to let her go. Okay, yeah. okay. I like it. So Tony makes it to round two. Our next matchup. Tony Baloney. Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series and Hank Scorpio from The Simpsons. It's the one we've all been waiting for. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is this is something. Um, I believe uh, both me and Kayla nominated Nathan Drake. Uh, <laughs> You want to start it off, Kayla? Sure. Nate is just like a an everyman. I just want to be around him. He's just funny and charming. Um, I love going on adventures to gather treasure with him. I love his interactions with Sully. I think they're funny. Um, it's he's just a full joy to be a part of. He is. He's, he is a joy. Um, I think Nate. He's Indiana Jones without that, like, gruff, like, dude I don't necessarily want to be around. Like, he's got all the swashbuckling, like, 
leading man, good looks, all of that, all the quips, the one-liners, but actually he just seems like a good dude. Like, like you want to hang out with him, you want to grab a beer with him and go on an adventure with him. Um, and like, it's just so fun. Uh, his dialogue is, is the best and he's probably my favorite video game character of all time. So there you go. Sounds like you guys just described Tank Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tomas, that was your uh, nomination, right? Yep, yeah, it was me. All I, all I can really, all I can really say is, need some sugar. Sorry, it's not in packets. Tank <laughs> 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 Scorpio's like. Towards the top of that list, he does he does a lot. He makes a big impression with only like a short amount of time or whatever. Uh, Simpsons has a thousand memorable characters, but I think Hank stands above the rest of those like one off type characters. He's just like a just you know Homer's boss, and he turns out to be like a Doctor Evil esque like take over the world type dude. <laughs> and it's it's, so... it's just cool. It's just. It's so well done. Uh, it's like you, you kind of like can tell like something's up. Like why is he so upbeat? Why like why is he backing Homer so much as well? Like just this regular dude who's not completely even in on this whole entire thing. And it, like Mike said, like just in such a short amount of time, like I feel like whole entire series of like tried to develop characters over like multiple seasons, and I feel like with Hank Scorpio in like 15 to 20 minutes like the fact that like this is the like episode that I remember about the Simpsons like this is like my right. favorite episode of the Simpsons I can always quote something from it could always remember it and like god it's got to be like a close to like what a 15 or 20 year old episode at this point yeah oh oh yeah you know that's I just love Hank Scorpio I figure it I'm going to throw a wild card in there. Might as well throw in the wild card. But Nate's great, too. Like, yeah, I'd, that's... Uh, I've like, only played two and four in the Uncharted series, but I could completely see why uh, Nate is beloved. Yeah, I only played four as it came with my PlayStation 4, so... <laughs> well, you played the best one. Okay. Yeah, without a doubt. I think Nate, the, like, even by himself, he's so fun with other characters, like... Uh, you know with sully or with elena or something yeah. but like just by himself like his little like inner monologue and stuff uh while he's adventuring is like half the fun of those games like he will oh, no, no, no 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 right yeah <laughs> i i feel like he's reacting exactly how i would react if i was a badass explorer uh yeah. mercenary guy you know it's not a good character development yeah, and especially like in four, when you get to find out he's had had a brother, and you find out that he was an orphan, and him and his brother just wanted to get out and rename themselves and be these crazy treasure hunters after this wild, wild, old historic pirate name is just so fun. It's a strong fifteen minutes, but <laughs> I don't think it could. You get, you get Hank's whole bag though. Like, yeah. there's not. You know, like, oh, he's just a he's just evil dude. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been fun if he was a recurring character, though, in some way. That episode you know? is like that episode is just so 
Like every, not even like just the Hank Scorpio parts. That whole entire episode is great. <laughs> like that's uh, yeah. what like Marge has got nothing left to clean, so she becomes an alcoholic. <laughs> Lisa is like found everything yeah, that she loves in nature, everything. but yeah. she's allergic to everything. <laughs> like what was Marge? Great, great episode, great episode. But I don't think Hank can. No, I don't think it's enough muscle to. Buster. Yeah, like maybe. Like, Maybe it feels placed against a few other people in this bracket, but is it uh canon? I guess that Nate is like lucky; he doesn't really get like shot, and that's his health. That that's his luck. Is that canon, or is that just like a yeah? That's how they developer said that. Yeah, okay. that's the health system. Like you're never getting shot until you die and get shot. Until you die and get yeah, it's like a fortune. <laughs> I think it's scared of things I read on the internet. Yeah, I don't trust them. No, that was official, like from Naughty Dog. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah, Yeah, Josh, any uh, any defense of Scorpio? (laughs) So my question, I don't really know a lot about Nathan Drake. My question is, is he just fun, cool guy, or does he actually have flaws in character? He's got a lot of flaws. He's obsessive. Uh, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It, it ruins kind of all of his relationships, especially his main relationship with his wife, his obsession of, yeah, yeah, he's always lying. And he's always <laughs> like, there's only one more score, you know, like there's, mm. this is the last time. The Thief's End was like a couple games back. <laughs> right. The yeah. Thief's End. Yeah. It's, it's, always, it's in an end. <laughs> It's time for sure, honey. <laughs> okay. That's all I need to know. Sounds like an alcoholic to me. <laughs> uh, so, we calling it Nathan Drake? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with Nate. That's... Nasty Nate. That was a Nasty long shot, Nate. baby. So, Nathan Drake from Uncharted moves along with Tony Stark. All right. We got an interesting one coming up. Oof. Bob Belcher from Bob's Burgers <laughs> versus Gollum from the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Uh, Gollum was Ryan's nomination, and he's not here, so I think um, you know we can. We all know Gollum. I think. Yeah, yeah we've all seen. The I'll Ryan. Take it. Go for okay. it. I'll take. I'll take the ball. Okay. Okay. So I'll start the off reason... with Bob, right? Okay. Maybe just because it's on top. Um, sure. I think Bob is the kind of uh, culmination of all of the animated TV dads. You know, the, your Homer Simpsons and, and everyone else, um, and the Honeymooners, I guess, as the genesis of that. Um, but in addition to that, he's he's just so like delightfully awkward. He sings to himself. He has like everything around him. He acts like they like they talk. Yeah, he, like like he gives... gives them gives inanimate objects personalities. Exactly. And I think that's what like he's not like as bumbling as a as a Homer Simpson and everything else. So I feel he's or a, a what family guy, Peter Griffin, you know, like those characters like annoy me way more than Bob ever does. I just like feel for Bob. You know, whenever he gets into a bad situation, I actually feel for him where I don't of Homer or Peter Griffin or any of the other bumbling dad, you know, characters. So I think, you know, that sets him apart. He's the top tier of that kind of 
well-worn character. Pretty good. So I wasn't prepared today to take on this onus of defending a character that's like over 100 years old or whatever. But (laughs) the reason why Gollum is so interesting, he's kind of stood the test of time, is that he is the dark reflection of the protagonist, a.k.a. Frodo at this point, where this, this is where Frodo could end up if he falls to this, the, the temptation of the ring. And it's not like the ring always tell him promises and power, promises and power, whatever. But what the end it actually gives you is this just the sad, pathetic life where basically everybody hates you. You have no life anymore. It's still affecting you like a drug that you need it still. That's all you need. I just think it's an interesting way to both reflect the dark side of the protagonist while also bringing in themes of drug addiction into a story. He really pushes the story along, too. I mean, he kind of is what destroys the ring in the end, and also he's the only reason we ever get to where we get to in that story. Like, he kicks off the story in a lot of ways, and he also finishes it and moves it along, you know. I should should point out I've never seen these movies. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think you summed it up pretty well, to be honest. Like, I wouldn't have been able to defend him that well. So I tried. That was very good. Uh, I think the only thing I can say about uh, Bob is I, I, I have such a hard time dissociating that voice actor from Coach McGurk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like every time I was like, Brendan. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> He is a great voice actor. Uh, oh, I love I, every time I hear him. I'm like, oh man, that's Coach McGurk. <laughs> not even, yeah. not even the yeah. voice actor's name. He's Coach McGurk. <laughs> I love contrasting with with Archer uh, because, like, that's the exact same voice. I mean, like, it's just his voice, but like, yeah, it is. Uh... <laughs> that's all it is. It's... So my thing but... though is that I feel like. You have talked about Bob Belcher and how similar he is to the Peter Griffin, the Homer. He has his own quirks, given. Mm-hmm. But I do think he is kind of an archetypal character. While Gollum, again, not necessarily from the movies, but he is the beginning of like things. He's a very influential character. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly the difference between them. Uh, you know, one is an archetype. Definitely, Bob is like I. I like to think of him as the culmination of that archetype. Like he's the top tier until someone else uh, takes him from that throne. Takes the throne, my yeah. opinion. Does he have a Hank Scorpio? You know, got hey. a Teddy. His teddy, actually regular though. I would say no. His Hank Scorpio is actually Mister Fish Odor, like <laughs> the the guy who owns, who's played by uh, Kevin Klein or voiced by Kevin Klein, I should say. Um, he's like a super evil. He's got one eye. He's got like an eye patch. Uh, and he's like a super evil landlord who like just extorts everyone in the whole town. So not exactly Hank Scorpio, but you know, more on the Dr. Evil side, more of a Jeremy jam. (laughs) Uh, so what, I think this one's closer than the last two. What do you guys say? I'm, I'm going Bob, obviously. Gollum. Gollum. Oh god damn it. Man, come on. <laughs> Dude, what's right, Tomas? Nobody nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really watched Bob's Burgers. Uh, but I've definitely seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um uh, 
God, it. What would Ryan do? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan would vote for the character he picked. So yeah, I know, I know. Oh, starting off rough. All right, just give me like two things. All right, yeah. Uh, everybody, give me uh, Eric. Give me your best. Uh, you know your last, or I guess uh, as uh, I also nominated Bob. Okay. Yeah, um, Kayla, hit me with. Bob, I hear everybody's final words. Uh, so Bob is like really quirky and always makes a lot of puns. So you know that he has some uh intelligence. Uh, and he's just really poor and has his family that that sucks. And he'll tell them like, "You suck," but I love you. Let's do this. He will just go in the the face of danger. There's a time where they are hunting this monster, which really they don't believe, but turns out to be very believable. And he like goes in front of everybody. He's definitely very brave and will definitely defend his family from danger. Um, he will make sure that he will run the whole restaurant at, at, at the restaurant by himself. So his kids can like, go to horse camp and they'll sell their fryer so they won't have fries for two months so his daughter can go to horse camp because that's like her biggest dream um so he's he's just a family man yeah he's like kind of like the begrudgingly will do stuff but for the sake of the fam yeah kind of gathering okay yeah i mean homer worked two jobs so lisa can have a horse i know but like you know, Homer's got that scene where it says, do it for her right. on his wall with all the pictures. And I can right. argue that's a more touching moment in any regard out of any kind of like, like Simpsons had those little like, you know, nuggets where they like drop little gems here and there back in the early days. <laughs> uh, but... For me, I, I think Bob's Burgers is a really good show. Mm-hmm. But I there's times when you kind of forget about Bob. <laughs> Something like, what about Bob, you know? Oh. <laughs> and uh, to me, like, the kids and sometimes even his wife are, like, the okay. best characters in Bob. Okay. So, my final closing argument would be, let's say that Bob is the ultimate apex sitcom dad. Sure, whatever. But my thing is, would you rather have the influencer or the influenced? Gollum started everything while Bob would be the end of everything. That's my take. take. Mm. Okay. Uh, honestly, I think uh, Josh made a really good argument. I like the idea that, like, there is no Lord of the Rings without Gollum. Um, very, very focal, like, kind of character. He drives the narrative across. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he definitely brings a lot more to the character of Frodo, who some might argue is even the main character, but uh, I think we're gonna go Gollum. Um, like, I, I think mainly just because, like, you know, the idea that uh, you know, Bob is one of a group. Like, without the rest of his family, the show doesn't quite stand up as well. Um. You know, I don't know. Uh, I know more about Gollum too, so I'm probably just leaning a little bit more into what I'm more comfortable with. But yeah, let's you. go Gollum. So Gollum over Bob. I I think that might be a little upset, but 
even without Ryan here to defend him. Way to go. I think Josh made an excellent argument about hey. the gate, to be honest. Boom. Boom. So Gollum moves forward to face one of the next two. We have Locke Cole from Final <laughs> Fantasy VI, and we have the Joker from The Dark Knight. Tomas, Locke was yours. Yes, yes, Locke was me. Um, I mean, honestly, it's just a lot of nostalgia. Final Fantasy VI is my favorite Final Fantasy. Uh, mind you, that flip-flops a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, and out of, like, a, a, a very large ensemble of characters, I do feel like he stuck out uh, out of a good portion of them. It's like, obviously, in Final Fantasy VI, you got your, you know, your big old pile of characters I can give a fuck less about, like Realm and, like, uh, Setzer and, you know. Go-Go. Go-Go. Go-Go's, you know, even got utility in the sense that, like, you can equip, like, any kind of ability on him, but... <laughs> fantasy cast here we go here we go <laughs> no but uh i don't know it's like it's it's a game with a lot of characters and you know some of them are more developed than others obviously i feel like Locke, you know they do a good job of like flushing out his past that he doesn't really like to talk about how he used to be in love with somebody uh and like he failed in trying to save that person he loved and he forever held in the guilt uh, you know, it's like he's a quote-unquote treasure hunter, and obviously his ulterior motive is to find some kind of means of bringing back this person that he lost. And in the meantime, that kind of guilt prevents him from moving forward in any other further relationships with people that he runs into. You know, he puts on a facade of being a flirt just so that people don't get close to him. Uh, he makes a lot of mistakes in that regard, too. Uh, I think, like, in such a large, like cast of characters they did a fairly good job at flushing out you know that one individual like i i remember more about him than i do about most of the other characters in that game and i just like his character design a lot i think he's you know <laughs> pretty cool i was hey, he was always in my team he was the guy at like i had the well it was it was Wrongly translated as the Atma weapon in uh, Final Fantasy III, but is the Ultima weapon, apparently. Like, get that, the offering, uh, Genji Glove with another weapon, and I'd be attacking like eight times for 9,999. <laughs> he, was, he was my showstopper. But, uh, yeah. yeah, this this one's a real knife in my heart because Locke is also my favorite character from Final <laughs> Fantasy VI, and Final Fantasy VI is also my favorite Final Fantasy, so that's really rough. But I have to defend the Joker, and the moment he walks Judas. onto the screen in that movie, so there's the meeting of the crime bosses or whatever, they're all arguing, and he just walks in, and, like, the bodyguard, big, huge dude, is gonna, like, take him on, like, who's this fucking clown coming in? And he, I want to show you a magic trick, and he just smashes his head into a pen or a pencil or whatever on the table. I was, I was sold, and it just goes up from there. I mean, he's uh, an agent of chaos, as he says. You know, he's just doing everything. You find out that there's just no reason behind what he's doing. Like, he doesn't want money. He doesn't have demands. He's just messing with people. Um, just and... wants Batman to show his face. 
Yeah, I, Where's I think it's the Italian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just having a lot of fun because, yeah, at first the mob bosses are like, oh, yeah, he's in it for the money here. We're going to give him a billion dollars or whatever it is, just stacks and stacks of money. And he lights it on fire and they just don't understand. No one does. Even Batman doesn't understand him like Alfred's like the only one he has a nice little monologue where he tells him, you know, like, hey, I, I was once tracking a dude who like we were trying to pay him off with diamonds and, you know, some people just want to watch the world burn, you know, and that's that's the Joker. And I think that's just going to stand the test of time. It's a tragic thing with Heath Ledger and everything else. But I think that performance, regardless of him you know, yeah. passed away. I think we probably would have like five more Joker movies starring Heath Ledger at this point with, with that character, um, you know, if he hadn't passed away. So. So many iconic scenes in that movie and he's like in 90% of them. It's how that movie opens uh, with the bank robbery. Uh, you know, you mentioned the pencil gag, like, like the, I, this whole like the Tony Stark bracket seems like just unfair matchups. <laughs> like this, because like I want to defend my boy, but like you know I'm, you know David and Goliath right here. It's it's tough. Yeah, yeah, Joker's wonderful. Any uh any Lock Cole supporters out there? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, I've played through Final Fantasy VI once and. I'm not really sure who Locke was. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. no. There's, there it is. There's the knife. It's kind of damning. Josh, Most I know you're a big Final Fantasy palette. VI fan. So, Absolutely. Uh, what do you got? Never played it. Never want to. Um, Josh is my fan. My defense for Joker would be that he is a very well-used character, as in he has been worn to the ground, there's been X amount of actors playing him in TV shows and all that. Would you say Heath Ledger's Joker is the best Joker? He's my favorite. Uh, I think a Joker. lot of people would argue that. Yeah, and I would generally agree. So that's my defense of him. Yeah. So I, th I think we can wrap this one up pretty quick. That's, <laughs> you're not going to get an argument on me. <laughs> Joker. Right. The Joker will face Locked Gollum. Up. Moving on to the next <laughs> <laughs> So on our next one, we've got an interesting one. We've got Ben Wyatt from Parks and Recreation, and we've got Monkey D. Luffy from One Piece. Ben Wyatt was Aaron's? That was me. Oh, that was, there we go. What I was so sure somebody would pick uh, Leslie. And I was like, I got to go with my boy, Ben. Ben's my boy. I love Ben. Uh, he's he's the peanut butter to Leslie's jelly. Um, uh, I just love Ben's character. Cones of Dunshire. Um, you know, the locale Calzone zone. Uh, when he was doing his stop motion animation. Uh, he was like, there's supposed to be more. <laughs> I spent like two weeks on that. <laughs> uh, his love dynamic with Leslie is one of the best, like, you know, love dynamics I've ever seen portrayed in any series. I cried when 
he stepped up the bat for it every time, whether it be when he proposed to her, uh, when he finally decided to quit his job just to be with her, uh, just the struggle that they dealt with it. Uh, uh, he's, you know, he's such a quirky, like, goofy character in all regards. Like, Ben Wyatt is... He's the everyman. <laughs> I, I love he's... him. I love him. I love him. To I death. would, I would like to say I feel like he's the whipped cream to Leslie's waffle, but mm, um... that's good. <laughs> Here, uh, I got, I got one more thing to say about him before you know I, I open it up. Uh, the idea that like you get so grown and attached to Leslie, especially after the Brandanowitz incidents and stuff, and like I have this like feeling where I'm like nobody's ever gonna be good enough to date Leslie and then Ben White comes in and he swoops in and he steals my heart so that he can take Leslie and like he's the only character I could ever see being worthy of her <laughs> alright so Monkey D. Luffy the uh, main protagonist of One Piece I can defend this one too he's made a run no, how does that happen? <laughs> Yo ho ho! We took a bite of gum gum. <laughs> Thank you, Tomas. Thank you. Um, Monkey D. Luffy, more than any character on this list, I've I've, I've spent the most time with. Uh, close to coming in a thousand episodes of uh, One Piece for me, and other than any kind of generic anime protagonist, your Gokus, your Naruto's or something like that. Uh, Luffy's he's different. He's he sure he has this like, you know, guy on a quest. He, you know, he just wants to become, uh, you know, the greatest pirate and get this wonderful treasure at the end of this journey. But he really just becomes a huge, just inspiration uh, and a force of good in this show every time they encounter a new land or something, he immediately will put his, you know, journey aside and spend 300 episodes helping, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some land, uh, you know, overthrow some tyrant or something like that. Uh, and he, along the way, he's just gathering, you know, more and more support until he's, you know, one of the most powerful people in the world. He goes from having just like a little sailboat, <laughs> like made out of a tub, basically, <laughs> to uh, having one of the highest bounties and one of the most like well-known uh, pirates in the world. It's a, uh, it's something. It's 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 beautiful. Would you say that his superpower is unifying people? Oh. Uh, absolutely. He's, he's kind of like part of this, which we don't still don't have answers to like, uh, D, uh, people who have the D name. Yeah. Uh, like part of this whole, you know, important kind of people. So, uh, yeah, you know, he's made out of rubber, which is really cool. He's got cool, <laughs> like fighting and stuff like that, that he can do. Uh, and he's just great. He, and he knows when, when to stop being like a bumbling kind of, mm. uh, you know, character and when he needs to turn it on and just like do what's right and do what, what needs to be done and come up with a plan. He, he can do it. He's reliable that way too. So both of these characters come from like big ensemble casts. 
with like a lot of really memorable characters and stuff. Which would you say benefits more from having those other characters like along with them? I mean, Luffy's able to carry the show. There is a huge chunk where you he is separated from his crew like forever. <laughs> and he's able to just like, okay, break out of this prison. Got my own kind of crew going right now. And he's he's able to carry that show, uh, no doubt. Gotcha. I feel like there were episodes that focused on like Ben specifically, but like you mentioned, it's it's an ensemble cast by the end of the day. Uh Ben Wyatt is a main character. He is not the main character of it. Uh he definitely gets a lot more screen time than some other characters. I just enjoy his overall character. Like he doesn't even come into the show until like what, season three? Um uh, I think he's a character that definitely benefits from his relationships with the other people around him. But I feel like that's that whole entire show in general too. It's like it's very much yeah. in, in like we are building a community. These are the people who are, you know, leading that charge. Yeah, uh, for for Ben. He like just comes there to do his job and he's just trying to do his job and be an accountant. Um, but he builds those relationships and you see him kind of come out of his shell where he was like just mm -hmm. behind a book, you know, adding numbers and afraid to let loose. But the characters that he gets on screen with help him blossom. Gets over his trauma of Snowtown. He he uh treats himself. Goes all out. Josh, I know <laughs> you yourself. like both of these. What's uh what's your take? Treat yourself. So I will context for this, Ben is probably my least favorite character in oh, Parks and no. Rec. And I've watched One Piece. I've read One Piece every day for the last 15, 16 years. Holy something shit. like that. Yeah, I've I've been following One Piece forever. But I'm my vote is for Ben Wyatt because I think Nelson's argument is inherently flawed. I, he is no different than Goku or Naruto or Gon or any other character. He has the exact same personality traits as any Shonen character. The thing that I think Nelson and the reason I love One Piece is that the show has excellent world building. There is such a alive and thriving world. And Luffy is the very simple go through. To give an example of this, Nelson, can you please describe the, the relationship between Luffy and Robin? Uh, I cannot. I cannot. They do not give Robin a lot of stuff to do. But that's my point, is that he is there to push the action forward and to explore this great world with all these amazing characters and beautiful, like, political climate shit. Beautiful world. Luffy is way too simple. So, it, it, I guess, in the answer that Nelson gave, he felt like, Luffy had a lot of standalone episodes and whatnot, so he didn't need the ensemble as much as Ben. Uh, do you differ in that? Here's my, like, specifically the prison. The prison's interesting because it is a very unique prison, and it is still world-building. Like, why are, who are these prisoners? Why are they here? All the interesting stuff is Luffy encountering these people and their stories and why they're there and how they got there. 
That's the interesting stuff, not Luffy. Interesting. Well, I'm voting for Ben because he's my character. So that's two for Ben. <laughs> wow. Man. Ben. Oh, that's that's creepy. Oh. I was I was gonna go Luffy, but uh yeah, Ben Ben wins. Ben ten. Like uh, not to belabor the point, but Eric, I'm gonna describe a character for you. He is always hungry, he's kind of goofy, he sticks up for his friends. He gets like you know he is just Goku. He is exactly he has he's got I, super forms I, that he achieves. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. He he's just Goku. Children. He's not. He's not. He's I tried, just Naruto. Right. <laughs> just Naruto. <laughs> I was gonna guess Mr. Popo, but you guys, uh, yeah. me. <laughs> fine. All right. On Mr. to the Popo. next. Let's see who takes on Ben in the next round. The choices are Adrian Veidt from Watchmen, the TV show, or Phil Dunphy from Modern Family, also a TV Ooh. show. In a fist fight? <laughs> <laughs> it might be close. Adrian's getting a little old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you so Adrian was my nomination. I think it's perfect casting. Um, to, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons, that's his name. Yeah. Was a wonderful, wonderfully cast. He's he plays him so quirkily. I don't know if that's a word. He's so quirky um in his old age. He he's a weird dude anyway, if you've watched the Watchmen movie, uh or, or read like the, the graphic novels. But um I think he just plays it up in his old age even more. Um and he's just in such a unique situation, kind of marooned on another planet or a moon, I think, um, and able to create his own society, but kind of getting bored with it uh, and coming to the grips of that he he's been bested by his his daughter. Uh, she's smarter than him. She's richer than him. She's accomplished more than he ever did, at least people know she has accomplished more than he ever did, even though he saved the world. Yeah. Um, so coming to grips with all that and like finally swallowing his pride and asking for her help um, to get back to the planet, uh, that just really hit me from a character that just like is a stone wall. Like no one can tell him anything. He's the smartest person on the planet. He's the most vain person on the planet. And he has to kind of break down and, um, you know, ask yeah. for help uh, for the first big. time ever. Given, so. given the fact that he like outsmarted Dr. Manhattan, like in the like original, like that's, that's some pretty big dick energy to have to get down to a point where you have to, you know, humble yourself to ask for help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's 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 pretty awesome. Big fan, Adrian Fight. What about Phil Dunphy, Kayla? Phil Dunphy, quick, what's the color of the sun? Yellow. Um, <laughs> Phil. Phil Dunphy. <laughs> Next character is just. Uh, he's a father of three who's very <laughs> childlike himself. He's very. Um, gosh, I'm words are escaping me. Well, Phil is funny. He's a magician. He's a cheerleader. He's optimistic. He's very 
caring for people. He will constantly like put other people above his own needs. He obviously has relationships with the family in the modern family. Um, my favorite's probably his and Jay's because he's just constantly looking for approval from Jay, <laughs> who is his father-in-law. Um, and there, there are times where <laughs> if Jay needs Phil, who Jay is very reluctant to tell Phil that he needs him, like Phil is just super, super excited to help his father-in-law. But there are also times where Jay will uh, poke fun at Phil to the to the point where Phil will will burst. And there are scenes where he like they literally get into a boxing match and Phil <laughs> like beats the crap out of Jay. Um, and and Phil's just so humble and a nice guy. He he realizes that he had some some pent up anger and apologizes to Jay. He's just very human and very um, lovable. He constantly wants to make his family happy. He is a great gift giver. He's so thoughtful. He's also sexy. He turns into Clive Bixby when he wants to turn up the heat in his marriage. So he never, never stops trying. That's what I can say about Phil. Yeah, Phil's, Phil's great. Um, That's another Ooh. tough one. I mean, I yeah, Phil was on my long list of nominations. So that's that's tough. I. I think Adrian uh, Phil suffers from the sitcom TV dad. Like he he is part of that archetype. Like there are Dr. ways Mold. he stands. Sitcom TV dads, I guess. Hey, <laughs> it, it works. I mean, it's a thing that works. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of characters like an Adrian Vite. Um, you know, just so I, I I kind of always err on the sake of uniqueness. Uh, if if I can, but that'd be my argument. Any other thoughts? Yes. Go, Josh. Um, I I despise the the TV sitcom dad, but here comes another left turn. I despise oh. Adrian Vite even more. Um, <laughs> I was I was gonna sit out anything with Phil Dunphy because I have no experience with him, but I cannot sit out in trying to tear Adrian Vite down, specifically the TV show, <laughs> because. We do have to follow his character from the movie, which had a great character arc. He was a, a solid part of the plot. He was the plot, essentially. He caused yeah. everything. And then we go to the TV show, and he is just a complete distraction and has nothing to do with the main plot. And it's very frustrating and annoying. So I could not care less for Adrian Wright. Oh, I completely disagree there i thought the character in the movie version was just not like i, I barely rec remember him being around except the very end and uh jeremy irons portrayal in the show is just like this every episode i, I was looking forward to catching up with what what he was doing on this weird like planet or whatever and i was completely engaged with that and ate it up every second of it loved it yeah. See, that's where I would weigh in that unique is not always good because, again, had he had anything to do with the plot or any kind of payoff or anything, I would have been fine with it. But th he has no connection to the main plot, and that's really annoying. Yeah, I think that's a uh, critique of the show versus the character. Like, the, sh the show, you're 100% you're right. He is just a 
offshoot story, kind of doing his own thing. He doesn't impact the main plot in any like meaningful way, but his character and his backstory, you know, he's, he has saved the world and now he's coming to grips with that and kind of not having any part of the plot, like his lack of impact in the plot of that story is his like uh, his issue you know like his what he's got to come to grips with in a, in a sense yeah he's just like this looming force that's happening on our on earth like you know just like uh, not a force but like just like what he what he people think like he just like disappeared or whatever and they don't know what happened to him and they don't know what what he was really you know why this fucking thing landed on earth and he was behind it all but we know that he's paying this, you know, he's like in this weird space prison. <laughs> and it's it's just cool. It's just, it's just so much fun. Right. But that's my problem is that he was quote unquote fun. I think it's such a tonal shift from everything else going on that it really destroys the character for me. But I've spoken, I've spoken my piece. Tomas? My vote yeah. is for... Oh. Oh, I, I, I figured your vote was for filth. <laughs> yes, I was going to enumerate that. Right. Uh, it's hard because, like, aren't we also, like, voting based off of, like, only whatever medium you chose them in? So, what do you, what do you mean? Well, like, you're choosing TV series Ozymandias as opposed right. to movie. Yeah, he doesn't follow Ozymandias. the movie. Like, the events of the movie aren't linked to the TV show. I know it's the events, events are linked, the, but, like, uh, is, 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 his character is still, you know, there. So it's, it's kind of like... Yeah, it, it's like, tangential, he, the difference. Yeah. He's so. the same character. Yeah, well, except he's played by Jeremy Irons. Ooh. <laughs> You know, just so happened to be one of the greatest villains of one of my favorite movies. So, talking about Lion King, no, but um, <laughs> uh, I like Ozymandias the character. Uh, I was a huge fan of Watchmen uh, before the movie was even made. Alan Moore is one of my favorite writers. Uh, I really like Phil Dunphy too. <laughs> it's like, ah. Uh, Phil's really good. Phil's yeah. the glue that holds the family together. Yeah. I, I just like, thinking about other like just personality traits and characteristics and things that he does. He's just there's a scene where he goes to visit Alex in college and Alex is having a hard time fitting in and they're the school's doing this like um you wear a ugly prom dress and jump in the pool thing and Alex is very like, No, I'm not gonna do that. Um and Phil like secretly goes buys her a prom dress and like leaves it at her house or at her dorm. Um, she doesn't know what the gift is. He says it's like her contacts or whatever. He was there to bring her. Oh, I contacts! And she like, of course, is a hormonal teenage college kid and like mm-hmm. doesn't want to spend time with her dad. Um, then she f- opens that and she goes and swims and fits in. Yeah. Well, While he like a- eats wings by himself and cries. <laughs> Well, that's that's his, his thing too. That I really like about his character is like he's like so outwardly like this goofy trying to fit in kind of guy, but he's like so many times like he does like you mentioned he goes above and beyond and like he does the right thing. Like he's kind of like this pariah and like a you know this 
world of, I guess, quote unquote, kind of imperfect characters. You know, it's not as like the hugest character flaws you've ever seen in like sitcoms. We're not talking yeah, about like, he... children kind of character <laughs> flaws, but, but he you also know, has... it's like, go ahead. He also <laughs> has really fun times where he does like not do the right thing and will like be a little uh, evil, you know, behind the scenes and leave stuffed animal heads in kids' beds and stuff. I haven't seen all of Modern Family, but I've seen a lot of stuff. It's like one of those shows that like you put it on the station and it's on for like eight hours straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, and it's like one of those ones that I don't click away from too because I feel like it's it's a pretty good show. I haven't like binged it yet, but uh, I am looking for another show to put on my list. I just got done watching Invincible. so It takes uh, a long time to get through. Yeah. There's a lot of episodes. I like both of these characters a lot. Uh, this is real hard. And this seems one like, seems like it might like be I'm, coming down to Tomas's like again. Again. deciding vote. So, well, uh, let's go Gary, through them. I'm Phil. Gary Springer, give me your final thoughts. Yeah, I, I think jo yeah, Josh was Phil, Kayla's Phil, and I think me and Mike are both Adrian, right? Yeah. It's tough. I, I I hate voting against Phil, but uh, I want I want my pick to move forward. No, it's absolutely. You gotta stick by your ideals, buddy. Uh, I I mean my my thing is Adrian's unique. Phil is a riff on the TV dad, a very great one. Uh, my favorite non-animated, but yeah. But Adrian and... is just a weird, really cool character. Right, and my argument would be it unique is always always good. It has to fit in with the overall story as well. I think I've made my choice. Because I seem to recall two of you guys wanting to drink a beer with this TV dad. <laughs> I want to. I don't want to drink a beer wow. with Adrian Fight. <laughs> so two people I'm, who I'm, are not voting for Phil. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm going with Phil Dumpy. Wow. Based off of that. Wow, that's yeah, fun. I, I'm, I'm digging in the past, baby. Listen to I'm actually okay with it. Whatever. For that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if Bob's gonna lose, uh, Phil should win. You know. Oh, I'm, I'm coming for Phil when he's against somebody who's not Adrian Bite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going up against Ben White. <laughs> Let's go. Right. He's so just coasting. This... <laughs> he just coasting. <laughs> Goddamn. Boy. So our next matchup is a uh, matchup of really good hair. Uh, we have oh, yeah. Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop and Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. The face of blowouts. <laughs> <laughs> Spike, was that uh, you, Nelson? No. I was Anton. Oh. I, I believe I was the Spoogle. The Spike oh, Spoogle. Well, speak on Spike. Oh, God. Why am I always first? Fuck. Um, I don't know, man. The Cowboy Bebop's just fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> Spike Spiegel, you know, he's he's a man with a past. Uh, you know, and they don't touch on it too much throughout the series. You know, uh. You know, he was part of a crime syndicate for a long time, fell in love with somebody, ran away from the life, and he could never seem to escape it completely to the point where, you know, at the end of the series, you know, it's something he has to deal with. You know, there's this character, Vicious, that he's always, you know, 
they, you know, they were best buds at first and then, you know, they veered off, you know, went separate ways in their directions and now they're like destined to just come back and, you know, settle the score. Um, he's very charismatic, kind of like tries to play it chill, you know, regardless of like how fucking messed up he is on the inside. Um, he's doing his best to try to just move past all the shit, but like it's just this burning note in the back of his head that he knows that he's got to deal with at some point. He just doesn't know when. Uh, so he's, he's a bit of a tortured character in that regard as well. Uh, I don't know. He's just a fun character too. Uh, you know, it's like serious when he needs to be serious, lighthearted when he needs to be lighthearted, uh, not necessarily good, not necessarily evil, kind of like this little grayish nougaty center. Uh, but you know, yeah, then he's, you know, he's, he's a bounty hunter too, you know, it's like, and like just that idea of like whizzing around in space and like, you know, yeah, I think it's, his character has a very fun backdrop of like just being in the future and, you know, being a space bounty hunter as well. So I don't know. He's a fun character. <laughs> I think, uh, Anton was a twofer, right? That was me and Nelson. You want to start yeah. it off, Mike? Uh, sure. Uh, Anton, more than any character on this list, I might want to just know more about like what his deal is. We don't get to know a lot about him. We just get to know about like just the way he views life <laughs> and <laughs> how insignificant it is uh, and how he leaves things up to chance. He's just like, He's just what involved in the cartel or something, right? We think, and he's trying to collect this money that has been been lost. It's like this unstoppable force. He's almost like a Terminator in the movie that just keeps finding cool and clever ways to kill people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just got this these quotes. He doesn't speak a lot, but when he does, it really sticks with you uh, every time. And he's just a great villain. I just love him. Yeah, he really Funny. is. We got we got two bounty hunters. <laughs> I was thinking that that during this, like, is it? Is he? Yeah, I mean, he's a. I guess I mean you could call him an assassin because he like specifically kills people, but he's he's a bounty hunter. Yeah, a cleaner. Sometimes the bounty yeah. is dead or alive, yeah. you know. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's anything else I can say. I think just the fact that he is so menacing with that ridiculous haircut. Yes. Like you're you're yeah. still afraid of him, like even though he looks goofy. Like I think that says a lot about the character. And he's just... Javier Bardem, right? That's correct. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think that's the first time I've seen him in anything, and it's like, man, who is this dude pulling off this? Like Eric said, this weird haircut and Faith. just that stealing every shit. scene that he's in. Like, oh man, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. His facial expressions are always so unique. It like you like it. It's like you kind of want to let your guard down. He's kind of soft, but then he's terrifying. He's menacing. Yeah. He's just frightening. <laughs> yeah, and he probably gets like yeah. third most screen time out of like Josh Brolin, Tommy Lee Jones, and then it's probably him. But I think he kind of like just washes them off, you know, in that in that movie. Yeah. Like he steals the show in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Got an Oscar. Deserved it. Okay, so my context for Spice Beagle is that I watched a bunch of Cowboy Bebop, never the entire show, when I was younger. 
never really stuck. It was always too episodic for me. There wasn't really a lot of through. Like Spike doesn't really change that much, and there's not really a a really like you know significant plot that goes from episode to episode and builds. You know, but. I would disagree with Nelson on wanting to know more about Anton. I don't want to know anything else. He is like the best way of describing him is like a personification of fate where he is a person who is interacting with the world, but he just feels like nothing's going to stop him. We're not trying to stop him. Let's see where this goes. Like, I think that's a very interesting thing to pull for with the character. So that's why my vote would be Anton. Hmm. Nicely said. Yeah, interesting. Now I don't want to know anything about him. <laughs> Thank you. Never. I mean, I'm obviously Spike. You know, my character, my nomination. You guys made an excellent argument, though. So For me, Spike just benefits so much from the soundtrack and the propulsion of the action and stuff. He just gets to stay cool. Like when there's just cool jazz playing. <laughs> cool ass jazz, baby. <laughs> He's also not Ed, so I don't care. Oh, okay. Well, should have saw that one coming. (laughs) But uh, that's great. uh, One last little hint, and like Josh is, you know, got a point. Like Bebop doesn't really tie in. Like there's a lot of like action, and you'll get like little nuances of like character development here and there. And mind you, it's only like a 26 episode anime. But, you know, it's like you find out little and little bits about these characters, but that's not like the main driving force behind like the whole series until like the very end. Um, but, you know, Spike is definitely a character whose story does get fleshed out if you watch the whole thing. Oh, we'll get Fair. to see him in uh, live action soon. Yeah, that's true. I wonder how that's going to be. I got they did get the same composer, so. Netflix refuses to show the show. Like, so. yeah. <laughs> It'll be at WitcherCon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think, is that what? Is that four votes for Anton and one for Spike? Is that what we got? Google. Yeah. That's cool. I already got one anime guy on this. <laughs> I mean, unless, you want count, unless you want to count Alucard, too. So. It's anime as fuck. I do. All right, so, so Anton Shakur moves on to round two to face Tupac Shakur. Winner <laughs> of our final matchup of the day, we have Willow Rosenberg from Buffy the Vampire Slayer versus Joel Miller from The Last of Us. Murder. Kind of a rough one. I'm going to... Willow was Ryan's nomination. He's not here, so I'm going to do my best to, uh, you know... Give some respect to Willow. I can um, hear the ambulance in the background already. And somebody's <laughs> <speaking>. <laughs> They're ready to pick up Willow. They're ready to get Willow. Um, so, uh, Willow goes from being like a nerdy kind of side character to actually becoming one of like, there's a whole story arc where she's like the main villain of Buffy for like a whole season. Uh, she finds out she has latent witchcraft powers. She's she's a magic user. Um, so she's like one of the most important characters in one of the most beloved kind of shows um, and and just fiction in general. I mean, there's comics, there's everything. Buffy's immensely popular, and and Willow is an integral part of that story. Uh, she's also a um, like a lesbian character. So in a oh a show that came out 
third almost Early 30 years yeah like mid to late 90s yeah i've never seen it so we're talking you know 20 plus years ago you know you didn't have as many you know lgbt kind of um characters out there so kind of uh some good representation uh in in that as well so and a lot going for it. but probably not as much as joel uh who wants to defend joel miller <laughs> He hits people in the head with bricks. <laughs> Very good. I mean, uh, who, who just a heartbroken Joel? father. I, I don't remember. It might have been me. I picked Ellie, not Joel. So then you go first. Yeah, I think Eric was Joel, but uh... Eric defend both of them. I, I, I will. I mean, like you I... picked it. You should go first and then we'll add if we need to. Sure. I can... uh... Oh, I'll I'll start it off and and then we can have a, the Joel Love Fest. Uh, I think I said earlier Nathan Drake's my like favorite video game character of all time. Uh, I might have lied to you uh, <laughs> because Joel's wonderful. Um, like Kayla mentioned, he's a grieving father. Uh, we don't get to really know what happened for about twenty years of Joel's life, but we know it's terrible. We know he's done terrible things. He's not a good person. We get to do terrible things as Joel in that game. Um, but he's a very redemptive character. He he spends the rest of his life trying to make up for the things he's lost, the things he's done. Um, and in a lot of ways, he, he does. Um, but it... He's a uh, a troubled character. Um, you can't say that he's a good guy. He's more of an anti-hero um, who's trying to be good, but uh, you know because he's a flawed human, he he does some flawed things. Joel's been hurt. Joel's been hurt bad. Yeah, jo one of my I guess favorite kind of tropes and stories is like you know road trip apocalyptic kind of <laughs> thing. So. Uh, and Joel is like the best version of that. Joel is, like I started to say, he's just a heartbroken father. He's gone through when the, when the outbreak started, you see that just traumatic scene of his daughter being killed, gunned down, if I remember correctly, uh, by the military. So obviously he has some trust issues there but he is living these 20 years as eric said doing doing bad things he's got a hard life he trusts no one it's it's a matter of survival where humans are definitely going to turn against each other um and you see him like be so harsh but then when ellie comes into the picture he definitely softens up um and makes some questionable choices but just he makes those choices because he loves her so much and can't um, except the fact that he would be without her. I think Joel's a good depiction of like, uh, like the idea of like, sometimes we have to make choices and they don't like, you're not necessarily given like clear cut. This is the best choice. And this is the worst choice. It's like, sometimes you just have to make a choice. And mm -hmm. like, I felt like a lot, especially that first, you know, the first game, it's just like, fuck, you know, but, you know, it's like, and I feel like they do a good job of like building his character around the point where it's like, you know, you know, I think Aaron summed it up pretty well in like one of our previous casts where it's like, by the end of the game, when you're going in to save Ellie, it's like, I had no qualms with just like gunning down that whole entire <laughs> emergency room. I believe I did a spit take <laughs> when you made that little, uh, 
uh, line, but uh, yeah, it's he's a rough, gritty character. But like you know, you don't get to see much of the twenty years in between uh, because he was a father. You know, there's obviously a human in there at some point. Uh, you know, they do an excellent job at like building his dynamic with his daughter in such a short amount of time at the beginning. And then here's the knife stab twist, pull out do it a couple more times. And now he's just this brooding, angry, disheveled man. And you're behind the steering wheel and you, you know, you deal with a lot of that brooding and then you get to see like Ellie peel back a few layers of the onion. Um, but you know, he still absolutely makes some very questionable like decisions uh, based off of, selfishness uh you know because in in a lot of ways it seems like he's he's probably trying to like i couldn't save my daughter maybe i can save her uh you know and it doesn't really matter whether or not the decision's right or wrong this is what i want for my own sake right um but you know it doesn't like he's like you guys said he's he's not a good person per se um um but that doesn't make him a bad character. <laughs> so I, I loved the first Last of Us. Uh, hmm. Well, it's an oxymoron. The, the little bit that we do <laughs> see him in the second one, we, we see him just like trying so hard that it's almost sickening to yeah, gain Ellie's action. forgiveness. Um, but he's trying and, and, and you see them have really nice moments, uh, which I really enjoy. Again, like the the voice actor just brings so much to this as well. You have Troy Baker. Um, it's it's just a, such a fun person to play as, and to see even in, in all the cutscenes, I'm just like glued. I want to know what what he's gonna say and how he's gonna act. He's supportive of Ellie. Um, being gay, which is nice. Again, something we don't really see in video games. Sounds mm, like to play. Yeah, that's true. Mainstream, I guess. Mainstream, like mainstream yeah. sure, AAA, sure. This, you know. this is a yeah. Right. This yeah you brought it, playing. brought it to the front. You guys are playing Mass Effect right now. I can have sex with whoever I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eric's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you're not a Last of Us guy, but I don't think you're really a Buffy guy either. You don't know that. No, uh, I'm not a fan of Buffy. I've seen very little of it, didn't catch my attention, but that's whatever. Um, I do have <laughs> things to say about Joel, but because I don't know enough about Willow, I'm just going to abstain. Oh, well, I would still like to hear what you got to say about Joel. It may sway so There's far. always second round. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Save it. Yeah, Save he it might need it. He's he's coming up on a tough matchup, I think. Uh, so. Yeah. So, I, I'm I'm just gonna save it because we everyone's talked about Joel enough for okay. yeah. You know, yeah. first round. Respect <laughs> your choice. Joel Miller gets to round two. Sorry, Ryan. Almost deserves his own bracket. All right. So we've completed the Tony Stark section of the bracket. We've had 16 matchups today. Eight contenders still remain from the bracket. They are Tony Stark, Nathan Drake, Gollum, The Joker, 
Ben Wyatt, Phil Dunphy, Anton Sugar, and Joel Miller. Authors fest over there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Gollum has genitalia, so you know. He might. He do rip it off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if if I if you want me to be so graphic, yes, I think he may have. What if the ring told him to, you know? What if he no. wore it? <gasps> or the ring. Godpiece. Oh. Go. Got himself. Nice. That's where he hides it. That's where the oh. power is. <laughs> well, save it for when he has to take on the Joker, guys. This is He's really bad at saying the word penis. He doesn't know how to say it. He says precious. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's know. Look, we don't, we, don't, we don't kink shame at this podcast. So. We don't. <laughs> That's shaming anybody. So that was episode 35, the second episode of the Bracket of Nonsense. We now have completed half of the first round of the Bracket of Nonsense. We have taken 32 and turned it into 16. On our next Bracket of Nonsense episode, we will hit the Magneto section of the bracket. We have 16 more contenders that will be discussed in head-to-head matchups, and we'll get down to eight. Our next episode will actually be a roundup of everything that's coming in July, so that'll be episode 36, and then episode 37 will be Bracket of Nonsense Part 3. So be looking forward to those. We ask you always to subscribe, like, review the podcast, share our social media stuff, get in on our conversations on our fan group Monstars on Facebook, join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anchor.fm slash machine of nonsense. You can leave us a voice message and tell us what you want to hear on a future pod, just like Demetrius did. Hey guys, it's me, your friend, your your friend, sort of, mostly. Anyway, it's Demetrius. I just had a quick question. So, you know, we really like that uh Final Fantasy Nine run you guys did. Uh, not that I'm saying I want another one. I do. Uh, Metal Gear. <laughs> I love how heated you guys got in the last uh, part of the bracket. I want more. Okay. Yeah. Do that. Cool. So Demetrius would like us to do a disc dive into Metal Gear Solid. We're a little busy right now with the bracket and nonsense, but that is something we will definitely do. We're all big Metal Gear fans, and we're going to get in deep on Metal Gear Solid. So look forward to that in the future. We would never want to tell Demetrius no. But we're all going to play a different Metal Gear game. To the table. <laughs> who's, who's getting Metal Gear One? <laughs> I love it. I oh, love Lord. it. All right, guys, this was fun. Bracket of Nonsense, Part Two, Episode Thirty Five. I was your host, Eric, for Kayla, for Mike, for Tomas, and Josh. We're saying goodbye. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.